with SBS Radio. We often hear about new policies and programs that promise to improve the lives of Australians. But what about the issues that are too stigmatised for policymakers to address? I'm Brooke Young, and this is the Too Hard Basket. In this episode, we dive into the topic of First Nations people's identification and how it can limit their access to tens of thousands of dollars of their own money. With multiple birth dates and given names, the gap in financial literacy, and kinship structures not recognised in Western culture, why do Indigenous people face such barriers in accessing their own finances, and what can be done to make meaningful change? And I was just going to give up. It's not good when people go and put in for something and they get it for two weeks and you're still there year after year. With everything on people, it's different. Money isn't everything. You know, you'll say, well, I've had enough of that. They can keep that and I don't want it. Who cares? That's Indigenous woman Georgina Harris. Up until recently, she was Georgina Wilson. This is because during much of the 20th century, Indigenous people often had a traditional name, a kinship name, and a name given to them by their European employer. Georgina's also been told she has four different birth dates. During that time, Aboriginal people were often given the birth date of July 1st by authorities because they were born in the bush or on reserves, where time was measured by the season, not by a calendar. So with such conflicting concepts of identity and personal documents that don't match up, it's little wonder that Georgina has such difficulty accessing her own finances. But she, and other people like her, are determined to make it easier for First Nations people to take back control of their money. Georgina was born on a mission on Rosewood Cattle Station, a large property spanning across both Western Australia and the Northern Territory. For anyone born on the station, there is a constant struggle over who issues the birth certificate and what birth date is recorded. So for Georgina, her concept of identity was confusing from a young age. My dad says I've been born one year and the paperwork that comes out says I've been born two years later. The mission records, I think mine was first of the first 16. And I told them, I'm not going to use that because I don't know, you know. Anyway, after the mission record, there's another one. But there was one with 5th of the 2nd, 62, and I didn't know where that came from. And now this, another one is the 4th of the 2nd, 62. When you're dealing with Aboriginals from up here, this is what we have to put up with. Half of the time, we don't know who we are. It's little wonder that when Georgina applied for her superannuation, she continued to get knocked back because her ID documents didn't match. And the process to correlate them all was hardly simple. Well, it's ridiculous because if you've got driver's licence, Medicare, all these things, they have to have the same name as the new name you've got. So you're only changing the name, surname. All that record is still the same. It still wasn't good enough. The relationship between First Nations peoples and finances is complex, and it dates back to colonial settlement. Linda Edwards is a proud Wankumara woman and the coordinator for financial capability at Financial Counselling Australia. 
She says the concept of money has only been around in Indigenous cultures for about three generations. Well, my mother never taught me about money because her parents never taught her about money. Um, you know, if you think about my grandfather, when he was working, he was actually paid in rations rather than paid with actual money. Um, and so he didn't really understand how money worked because he ne- was never, ever, um, you know, introduced to it. So um, it's very different for um you know, Western society where money has been in their communities for thousands of years. For um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people or First Nations people, it's really only been a very new thing. So when it comes to superannuation, an issue that every Australian grapples with, it's unsurprising that there are often not the support mechanisms in place for Indigenous people to access it. Phil Usher is the CEO of First Nations Foundation, a financial charity helping Indigenous Australians gain economic freedom. His organisation hosts an annual Big Super Day Out, helping connect First Nations peoples with lost super payments. Each year, they uncover thousands of dollars in unclaimed funds, $24 million in total. People that are in retirement, right, 67, 68-year-old people finding, even if it's 20 grand in lost super, uh, when when you retire, that's significant. Like, you can access that immediately. Um, And it just shows, I guess, that disengagement in the system. Um, And it could have been a job that they had from, you know, their 20s to their 40s that they moved out of and it was an industry fund. So um, they just started a new super fund in their new um, job. But I think it just shows that disengagement, right, where you're that far into retirement um, and and no one's kind of contacted them either. Um, If super funds have all this detail about your age, there's no trigger saying, when on this person's hit preservation age or they've hit age pension age and they still haven't touched their super, what's our responsibility here to maybe contact them? But there are also questions about what can be done on a policy level. Stephen Jones is the Federal Minister for Financial Services. He says it's not the government's role to notify people when they become eligible to access their super. Not everyone retires at the age of 60 or 65 or whatever it is, so... um... The assumption is it's up to you to manage your own financial affairs and not for the government to be in there telling you how to do it and what to do with your money. For many Indigenous peoples, it's not just about being unaware of their super fund. Linda Edwards from Financial Counselling Australia says that even when these communities know the money is sitting there, they still face barriers around accessing it. And this often comes down to issues of ID. You know, we have um, financial counsellors in our network who have you know, spoken to elders within the community who don't even know when they were born or don't even have a a birth certificate. Um, And so then when they go and look for their super fund, the dates don't correlate. And so they are then saying, no, you don't have enough information about your identification. Um, Names is another thing that keeps people out of that um, process as well in terms of identifying themselves, particularly if they have skin names um, or then the spelling of their names is different to what's at the super fund. So it all, it's, all of these things play a role in, um, you know, First Nations people missing out on hundreds of thousands of dollars and sometimes millions of dollars as a collective um, in superannuation across this country. This was the case with Georgina. She was directed to five different financial companies and banks before finally accessing her funds of tens of thousands of dollars five years later. And by the time it came into her possession, the amount of money in her account had diminished due to mandatory fees and insurance. There was a lot more there when I applied for it at the time. 
And of course now, you know, who's to say, you can't say to them, well, I had this much in there at that time and you didn't want to give it to me. Are you going to back pay me all that money that was taken out now? It's just all a big hassle. So you don't bother. The sooner it's done, the better, and then you're out of the system. But I think they should make it a lot better for people. It's their money, why don't they have access? But it's not just about accessing one's own super. Ms Edwards says the laws around beneficiaries and who can access the super of a loved one that has passed away are heavily westernised. First Nations people can can pretty much um, identify uh, kinship families. Um, it's just that the, the, you know, the law as in LAW, not L-O-R-E for First Nations people, um, you know, just uh, doesn't really sort of understand the kinship structures and cultural obligations. Um, and so that is really difficult then for, um, you know, First Nations people to be able to prove that they, you know, are entitled to, to that money. With the recent crisis of the Upla Funeral Fund, a failed insurance company that left many Indigenous people without money to bury their loved ones, these people are now trying to access super to cover funeral costs. But the Australian Tax Office won't divulge which super fund a deceased person was with, citing privacy laws. The Tax Office letting people know where the super sits isn't really a privacy issue. Just because they know where the super is sitting doesn't necessarily mean that that person will get that super because they still have to go through the whole process with the super fund to be able to prove who they are to be able to get that money. So the fact is that they just want to be able to access, you know, that super fund or the deceased super fund to be able to bury their family members. By law, Australians born after 1960 are eligible to access their super fund between the ages of 55 and 65, the average age of retirement. But Phil Usher points out that with the lower life expectancy of Indigenous peoples, this scheme is flawed. While non-Indigenous males have an average life expectancy of 84 years, for Indigenous males, it's only 71. You know, when we compare, I guess, those that, that broad difference, it'd be like telling non-Indigenous people they couldn't access their super tool 72 um, to give you kind of an idea. So automatically we know there's going to be early access to super. That's that's going to be inevitable. And an Indigenous person at age 60 is not the same as non-Indigenous person at age 60. There's, you know, that life expectancy means that they probably don't have the same quality of life or or health conditions. So, you know, straight off the bat, we look at the, the superannuation system in itself and imagine if you told all Australians you couldn't access your super now until you're 72 and what kind of demand for early access had happened. So just straight up from the... Uh, system approach to it and the the higher level thing, it's it's always going to lead to early access. But it may not be that simple. The 2008 Closing the Gap Agreement looks to overcome the inequality experienced by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and achieve life outcomes equal to all Australians. That involves closing the gap on life expectancy. But as Phil Usher points out, making a one-size-fits-all approach to early super access may not be the answer to closing that gap. Yeah, if it's just a blanket approach, it's really admitting defeat. I also think the other challenge will be the uh, if they had to do proof of Aboriginality um, to access early. Like, how do you prove your Aboriginality? Do you just identify on a form and do we have, you know, all of a sudden um, retirees identifying that you can uh, access super a bit earlier if you're Aboriginal? They tick a box and you get your super 
a bit earlier in retirement. Minister Jones told SBS that he doesn't want to implement any policies that may admit defeat on First Nations life expectancy. You know, the first objective has got to be to close the gap between First Nations Australians and other Australians on life expectancy. That doesn't mean you bury your head in the sand. So um, I am interested in looking at what can be done to ensure that um, if First Nations people are retiring earlier or not living as long, that we can ensure that they get some benefit from this benefit from their superannuation as well, without giving up on the underlying health issue. So, what can we see addressed in the shorter term? For improved access to super for Indigenous communities, Aboriginal experts want more flexibility around ID and a deeper understanding of Indigenous kinship structures. Jocelyn Ferlin is the former chairperson of the Superannuation Complaints Tribunal. She says the super industry is finally beginning to recognise the issues of Indigenous ID. Funds are doing good things in this area. So, so one of the funds that I'm aware of ha- actually has a um, member identity referee statement. So that means that they, the Indigenous person provides the identification that they have and then the, there's a referee, so it's either a doctor or a chemist or an ATSI case support worker, someone like that, can actually then provide a reference for that person and, and explain why they don't have the traditional identification documents that would otherwise be required. And so that's a way that Indigenous Australians can then get access to their superannuation. But unfortunately not all funds are that developed um, in terms of actually designing systems that both comply with the law, which is not designed for Indigenous Australians, but also means that um, Indigenous Australians can access their super effectively and and in a timely way. For Ms Ferlin, an obvious step forward is improved financial literacy. I think funding for more um, financial councillors to work in remote in Indigenous communities would certainly help, and then training for those financial councillors around the around the issues of superannuation. Um, and I think just um, a commitment at a policy level to to really, um, you know, financial literacy in schools, literacy in the educa- financial literacy in the education system. It's you know the, the superannuation industry is hard to navigate for everybody, and um, it needs a. a, a policy response that says this is people's own money, we have a duty of care to make sure that they can understand it. Linda Edwards wants financial literacy enshrined in the Closing the Gap statement, but it needs to be taught in a way that is culturally appropriate. Everything that we do in life is, is, is involves money and involves, you know, transactions. And I think that in, in terms of the Closing the Gap scheme, that financial literacy should be one of the core things that, you know, should be, that that should actually be included in that because, um, you know, without money, um, all of those everyday things that we do, um, we're always left behind. As the government continues to work on the Closing the Gap Agreement, Mr Usher emphasises the need for constant consultation with Indigenous experts. You don't want non-Indigenous organisations coming into community and saying this is how you manage your money because, you know, 200 and something years of history have suggested that probably doesn't work too well. So uh, just making sure it's Indigenous-led and, and, you know, if, if banks or super funds want to get involved, certainly partner with those community organisations. Don't, don't take the lead but take a supportive role. For Georgina, she says it's imperative to work with people who understand the disproportionate difficulties that Indigenous people face in accessing finances. We get someone to speak for us and then we still have difficulty with the people from the other end. 
So, you know, they meant to be a big firm, whatever. You have experts, don't you? And as Linda Edwards points out, conversations around the ongoing effects of colonialism for Indigenous peoples must continue. This thought for, you know, anyone saying, well, you know, everyone else, um, that's that's what happens for everyone else. Those rules apply to everyone in Australia. Um, but not everyone in Australia is the most vulnerable and have been left out of the, you know, economy in this country for so long, for, you know, for almost 150 years. You would almost imagine that Aboriginal people were left out of the economy. So give us time to catch up. For Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders looking for assistance with their superannuation, call the Federal Government's Indigenous Helpline on 131030. Brooke Young, SBS News. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from.